Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast episode 126, covering season 6, episode 17, Disclosure. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Gatecast. I always think your voice is more interesting than mine. Yeah, but you actually talk more than I do. You say more interesting things. I tend to bounce off you. I was, uh, well, I am sufficiently round that I could be used as a bouncing ball. <laughs> I made the mistake of saying, because uh, I got a lift home there. I've been ill this week, people with blood pressure monitors and so on. But since I was stuck and walking until after five and I wanted to get recorded and get set up for something else at midnight, I asked for a lift home. And I was chatting because leaving at five o'clock in this place on a Friday means even though you're less than two miles away, it still takes 20 minutes to get across town. Rush hour traffic. No matter what country you're in or what city, it's always the same. Even if city, it's not a city. It's barely a town. It's two miles wide and three miles long. For our metric users, you can convert. Yeah, that's a bit clean. Sod you. <laughs> no. If it was sod you, I'd have done an incorrect conversion just to confuse them. Instead of going, maybe it generate feedback. I said, yes, I have to record. What exactly do you record? I said, well, I'm on two tonight, my own one with Mike, and one I'm doing at midnight. How many would you get in on that? I said, well, there's five of us, and I explained roughly where they were. She goes, now, how many people had listened? I said, I believe their listenership's in the thousands. We're in the low hundreds. I said, but it's good, you know. Yeah, Mike does all the work. <laughs> all I do is pay for the domain, and she goes, and talk. And I said, yes. It's definitely a loaded statement from her. It's about sums it up. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a kept podcaster. Oh, what? A kept podcaster. You pay for everything. <laughs> you lie back and I do all the hard work. Oh, that's really not an image I needed in my head. <laughs> Shall we start with the and go back to the episode? <laughs> you like filler. Yeah, just to clarify that, Alan's co-hosting with Colin, who has his own Star Trek podcast, Trek News and Views, and uh, you're doing a joint podcast tonight with some other guys from across the world. Yes. Hello, I'm Jeannie. And I'm Nikki. And I'm Rachel. We host the Tyrion's Landing podcast, where we talk about HBO's Game of Thrones. It's like not landing without the shoulder pads, but with twice the backstabbing. And for those of you too young to know, Google is now your best buddy. So join us here at Tyrion's Landing as we break down the episodes, discuss our reactions, and give you the skinny on news of the cast and crew. And don't miss our Jason Momoa chest spotting. I looked in the freezer and there wasn't really anything I fancied. I thought I'd go out and buy something or I can see if Mike wants to record now. So what are you going to do for your dinner then? I'll go out and buy something after. Oh, right. After the day I've had, I'm very tempted to do something I very definitely shouldn't do. Fried Mars bars. Alcohol. So I did actually manage to dig out the disc. It was in the second last box it could have been in. Oh, I brought the box up here and I am going to put it beside the Stargate Atlantis box set and I'm telling you that as well. <laughs> Although, to be honest with you, this disc won't come out of this computer. Right. Oh, it's Yoko with the hat. And Kinsey. I'm looking at the segment previous. Oh, Jacob. Sit. Stay. Good place cat. Something irritated me about Netflix this morning. What's that? It won't run on the Linux. It says XP or Mac. <laughs> 
grow. I know. Zabby.com trying to drain what little money is left in my credit card. <laughs> the fiends. Have I not given them enough? Never. Who's Jay Akavoni? Oh, gosh, what's his name? Gone blank. Jack's best mate who died in episode two. Kowalski? Kowalski, that's him. Actual names, I can't remember for the life. Fictional names, I'm good. Bizarre, yes. Can't remember the actor name, but I can give you the character. Times I can't remember either. I mean, Kowalski. I know who Kowalski is. Laughing me, I couldn't remember what the character he played. Even though I could picture him. Hmm. An episode of Stargate Atlantis is showing on the 10th somewhere in Russia. Because I'm damned if I can understand the tweet. From Atlantis, are you? Yes. I'm looking at it kind of going, 10.03, 3am and something else. Split pretty much 50-50 between native language and English. Will you be buying The Joy of Pooh? What's that? You know, the book that young Sam loved in uh, Snuff. Oh, well, I've only read Snuff once, so... I've read it once with my ears and once with my eyes. It's way down on my uh, reread list. I thought the main bad guy... I mean, you compare him with Carcer. He's a bit of a cowboy cut-out. I see, I can't even remember who the bad guy was. I can't remember the guy's name, but I do remember... I thought, well, maybe this guy is hiding behind someone else, but it's, it seems to me more about... An exploration of Sam and Sybil's relationship and the fact that, well, obviously they have young Sam, but they do appear to have relations. That's when they went to uh, the stately home, into yep. the family mansion. See, I couldn't even remember what the hell the book was about. <laughs> yeah, Willikins. Willikins came across as a rather vicious uh, <laughs> bloody hell. You don't want to get on his bad side, that's for sure. I'm being more careful around Rob from now on. <laughs> I had some respect for Rob, but I wouldn't have put him as painted and was quite that black. Oh, that reminds me, I badgered the girls into saying yes to um, my leave, so I'll be booking my flight for the May event at some point today. Right. Oh, did you pick up that free Kindle book, Escape Velocity? I don't think so. His name's Stephen Pemberton, and the book's called Escape Velocity. Interesting little piece of sci-fi. What surprised me is, given the size of the phone, how easy it is to read the book on it. Yeah. What do you mean, yeah, you don't even own a phone? That was yes in acknowledgement of what you said. Oh, sorry. Not, yes, it is. I understand completely, because that's what I do. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, finished me uh, read of uh, Jim Butcher's Codex Alera, mm-hmm. and I've just finished Black Scars, which is an independent book, sci-fi. Mm. You see that Babylon 5 book that was in uh, Claudia's stream? Yes, I did. It was in Pat's stream as well. In fact, Pat posted about 4 a.m., boom, I'm depressed in a hole. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> you tick like, think, <laughs> no, you're not really. No, like isn't something you really do. Oh, Scott just sent me something in Google Talk. I I really didn't need to say that. Google Talk decided to preview load the picture for me without asking me. Convenient, but not always welcome. What does that say? Okay, that's a bit of a stretch, I admit. Let's see what you put. I didn't say it were a good pun. No. (laughs) Right, flying cocked. Ibra 3, Ibra 2, Ibra Hane. Clicky. We're in business. Coffee. I assume coffee. Yes. And sugar in lumps. It'd have to be Russian. That's a very fancy coffee set. We've been over this, Mr. Ambassador. Your submarine. Yes, yes. The missile sub Rostov was less than 75 kilometers from the impact of the media. This is a bunker. A secure room, no doubt. What's a metal? And in the spirit of international cooperation, a deep submergence rescue vehicle was sent from Pearl Harbor. Yes, unfortunately, the Rostov's reactor went critical before she arrived on the scene. I have heard your government repeat this story time and time again. So, you're going to tell me who he is? I can tell you. That's the uh, Chinese ambassador, played by Francois Chow. 
who was actually born in Cambodia. Yeah, Francois Chow aren't names. They're not two names you generally pair up. You'll recognise him probably from Lost. But he's also been in Awake, Jag, 24, Shark. He's a very popular character actor. He was the head scientist, wasn't he, of the Dharma Project. And that's where I recognise him from. In the spirit of cooperation between... What you call a new spirit of cooperation between your two countries, Colonel, makes the People's Republic of China uncomfortable. Gentlemen, we couldn't help it over here. Yes, I was trying to explain... My dear Colonel, if we can agree on anything, it's that your lost submarine is merely the latest in a long list of extremely unlikely events the Americans have attempted to foist upon us as the truth. So you want to run through the guest stars? <laughs> yes, we have the British ambassador, played by Martin Evans... His claim to fame is being in MacGyver three times. Oh, dear. Next to him is the uh, French ambassador, Paul Batin. He's been in Twilight Zone, Cold Hill. And is also nicknamed Dumbo. <laughs> the guy's ears do stick out a bit. Oh, well, what can you do? A lady. Who's she? Olga Tot. Olga Tot. Been in Cold Squad, Entourage, and a show called Glitched. General? Uh, Major Davis. Yes, so something's going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It, wa- it weren't his fault. It's being cruel. Occasionally he turns up when uh, there's good news. Now, this is a very General Hammond-centric episode, which is always nice. He really gets centre stage. Major Davis appears to be centre stage. Sorry. Oh, they're at the Pentagon, not the SGC. A war room or something with all the metal... First and foremost, gentlemen, welcome to the Pentagon. Please forgive any security measures you've had to undergo in order to get here. In America, we try never to underestimate the competence nor curiosity of our media. We've asked you here to inform you of a top-secret operation that the United States Air Force has been operating out of Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. It's called the Stargate Program. Hammond really doesn't look happy about this. (laughs) No. Well, it's his own little personal project. How dare they spread the news around? When did they decide to do so, or will this be explained during the episode? It'll be explained, but the reasons are obvious because, let's face it, even the Russians and Chinese, well, not the Russians, the Chinese and the rest of the world must have noticed great big, huge explosions in the night sky. Uh, Three minutes bang on, pretty much, for the teaser. Disclosure, our episode 126, season 6, episode 17 of the series. Directed by William Garrity, written by Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi. Ah, Our favourite writing team. And many other writers, because this is a clip show. You know that scene there? You see Carter putting her hand on the iris control panel, and then the ship going into hyperspace. If you didn't know the show, you'd think she'd done that. They probably did that because they thought, ooh, that was good. The action kind of implies, you know, let's enter hyperspace. (laughs) And I stuck my hand out in front of me there. This episode aired January 22nd in the UK, February the 14th in the US... And September 18th in Australia. Which year? 2003. You know what I'm saying here. It was pretty much of a given since the other two episodes in 2003, you know. Okay, we're back. Exposition as uh, he fills in the politicians. Gentlemen, the Stargate. The device itself was discovered in Egypt in 1928, where it lay buried for several thousand years. I know the name Gary Chalk. Yes, Colonel Chekhov. The device successfully established a stable wormhole by a process of random dialing. It was, for all intents and purposes, a lucky accident, which they were unable to repeat. Uh, Louise is a golf producer. Until eight years ago, when this man... Daniel! Hey. If only in uh, image. I wonder if he gets residuals for that. 
Well, it'll get residuals because he does a bit of voice work in this episode. Uh, ...of alien worlds. Since that time, Mr. Ambassadors, we have visited literally hundreds of planets. Thousands more remain to be explored. Mm. Hammond's still looking very ticked off. <laughs> what? This is absurd. I know it's a lot to process, gentlemen. The first time I saw the gate activated, I could hardly believe my eyes. It is true. You know about this. The Russian government has been aware of the Stargate program for quite some time. Are you quite serious? Did your president not recently call Great Britain America's closest ally? One of our own people illegally sold the Russians information which allowed them to temporarily operate their own program. You at one of these Stargates? For a short time. How many of these bloody things are there? There was another Stargate. It was recovered from the bottom of the ocean two years ago. I don't understand. Oh, great. Are they poking fun at the French for sure that films in Canada? I mean, seriously? Well, they actually made the point in the commentary to say how difficult it was to cast a French actor, or at least an actor with a French accent, because even the Frenchman they had in had an accent that sounded ridiculous. <laughs> Everybody sounded like a Peter Sellers movie. <laughs> Oh, yes. yes. He's being all terribly British, isn't he? <laughs> well, he probably went to, you know, Eton or Cambridge or Oxford, one of the more upmarket. They all come from the same place. Ah, replicators. This is from Nemesis. That is one thing you notice. I mean, the replicators these days, when they do the effects, they look hyper-realistic. We're there, they look more cartoony. Hmm. Well, it's Jack, isn't it? Sorry, I thought it was Daniel. Delighting. You're firing a gun like that, it's difficult not to look badass. The original gate is back in Cheyenne Mountain under lease from the Russian government. All the writing credits come up. A few dollars coming through uh, the post box. Possibly. The explosion of your nuclear submarine was the cover story for these events. Actually, the Rostov explosion was to cover up the explosion of a crashed ghoul ship. We haven't actually seen directed by pop-up yet, have we? I'm sure it'll turn up. It's only been, what? Seven and a half. It's only six and a half on mine. And yet you're at 4156. Yes. What the hell, got? Is there a time warp somewhere in this episode? <laughs> there were two different sorts of alien ships. I follow completely. You know, this is all much more believable than the accidental loss of a Russian submarine. Although I am a bit dubious that not one, but two reported meteors in the last few years were in fact alien ships. Actually, there were three. Oh, dear God. You'd have thought they'd actually practice this presentation. Gentlemen! Oh, oh dear. God. And the room gets darker as he walks in. Deliberately? That was commented on, was it? <laughs> no, I just noticed it actually did get darker. What have I missed? Your officers have been telling us several tall tales, as you might say. Last week's episode was nine minutes when the director name popped up. I'm taking note of this now. I don't do indeed right. counts anymore, but I'm going to note how long the credit run for. <laughs> I mean, Kinsey's right there to laugh. The fact that they've decided to spill the beans and nobody actually believes them. It's true. Stargate exists, and they go through the damn thing on a daily basis. Does everyone in your government know about this? Seriously, that was a daft question. If everybody in the U.S. government known about it, then everybody in the world would. There's that many leaks. Yes, the U.S. government, a bit as waterproof as your average sieve. Oh yes, not biased at all. No. I'm sure that what you're finding hard to believe is why we would come forward with the Yes, because there's a problem. Granted, the Chinese government has threatened to go public with information that contradicts one of our cover stories. Oh, yes, the Chinese government, well known for open and above board media. 
You really want something to happen to him, don't you? Here he is in front of a bunch of foreigners and he's putting the boot into his own people. Because the politician he only cares about himself. He'd cut his own wife and chuck her behind him if he thought there was a shark coming. You know, a bigger shark than him, obviously. Our planet is facing imminent danger. So, assuming this is not some sort of elaborate hoax and there are no television cameras ready to pop out at any moment. Not all British people are that sarcastic. Most of us, yes, but <laughs> not everybody. The ghoul. Or the go-out. Or the go-out. Three or four different people all pronouncing it differently in this conference. The gate system was built by a much older race of aliens that have long since disappeared. Now, while the go-out regularly use the gates, they subjugate these transplanted human races with powerful ships that are capable of interstellar travel. Such as the one that crashed in the Pacific Ocean. And the ghoul have dozens, if not hundreds, of these vessels. This is a single attack class vessel. Each Gwauld system lord operates entire fleets of these. Perhaps some sort of information packet would yes. have been in handy before this conference actually started. <laughs> oh, that's a shiny ship shot. Yes. And Jacob. Serpent's venom. Oh, come on, you're going to on space. You can't complain about clips like that. A Gwauld flagship is several times this size. They also have mid-range bombers called Elkesh and small fighters known as death gliders. Oh, dear. Yes, Apophis. They did make the point that you actually look at this clip show and you realise that it's mostly the really good CGI that they were showcasing. Oh, well, yes, obviously. Yeah, wasn't he chasing Tanith at this point? This is the... Yeah, Tanith's already on the ground, isn't he? Mm. The ghoul are more advanced than us in every way and there can be no doubt that they have hostile intentions. Can we negotiate with them? Oh, bless him. Gwaul are a predatory species, sir. They, uh will enslave a planet or in the face of resistance simply wipe out its inhabitants. They don't negotiate. Now we have witnessed Gold attacks on several worlds. Their standard procedure is to begin with a long-range assault launched from orbit designed to take out planetary defenses and instill fear in the population. Yeah, the only time they do negotiate is with the Asgard, you know, but let's not mention that. <laughs> the Sentinel. Wonderful actor. interest how can he broadcast from orbit how's he bridging the vacuum gap between him and the atmosphere Talker? yes i'm not sure if this will summit or last stand and since it were a two-part episode oh god <laughs> there they go again bouncing rocks <laughs> bouncing crystals after that they'll put their troops on the ground each mothership is capable of carrying hundreds if not thousands of warriors ah this was last stand yeah yeah, CG troops. Yeah, as you can see, there's a pattern in there in the clips are showing. Yeah. <laughs> if you totted up how much this episode would have cost if they did it all new. Oh, there goes the next two seasons. <laughs> they appear to be amassing a few troops. Hmm. Yes. What else is new? It was high time you were all briefed on what we're up against. If what you are saying is true, then the United States government has unilaterally taken actions which have placed the whole world in jeopardy. Believe me, Mr. Ambassador, I know how you feel. When this was first brought to my attention, I insisted that the gate was too dangerous to remain in operation. Unfortunately, I was overruled. With due respect, Senator, the President took your recommendation, and it nearly resulted in disaster. It was only because of the efforts of SG-1 who violated your order to shut down the gate that we managed to survive. Oh, and they've done a great job since. Under your tenure, haven't they, General? 
you managed to defeat the Gould, known as Apophis, only to see him replaced by another, more dangerous one. Isn't that a fair assessment? Well, that is actually the truth. <laughs> I won't, Walter. Yes, disturbing lack of actually uh, new material of the main cast. Mm. Don't they get paid on a per episode basis? If they're full cast members, yes, they'll get paid for the full season regardless of how many episodes they're in. Oh. You are the one they call Thor. I am Anubis. As I have told your lieutenant, I will reveal nothing to you. Isn't that basically how enemies happen on Earth as well, though? It's nothing new. No, that's more of a buffy thing. No, each big bag uh. is replaced by a bigger bad. <laughs> this is uh, Anubis in Revelations. Your knowledge will simply be downloaded into our memory banks. You will no doubt resist. And you will no doubt fail. The Goa'uld possess no such technology. You can actually take this episode as kind of an introduction to the show. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit of everything. <laughs> the commentary actually uh, included Don S. Davis doing his very first one. Ooh. It was with Paul Mullin, Joseph Malozzi, commenting on it. Where well, was that? Since I have the disc. Yes. It was actually the first time Paul Mully actually watched this episode as well. <laughs> Foreseeing his return to power among the other Gould system lords. The point is, he's already tried to destroy the Earth on two occasions. You know, point out as writers, they you know they watch the dailies, they watch the rushes and the various early edits, but they very rarely see the episode before it gets broadcast. Yes. About a year ago, we discovered an asteroid on a collision course with Earth. When you say asteroid, I assume you mean spaceship. No, no you. It means an asteroid. We were fortunate to detect it at all. If it had struck the planet, there'd have been no need for a cover story. It would have wiped out all life as we know it. We discovered that the asteroid had been deliberately set on a collision course with Earth by Anubis. Of course, this was Armageddon, yes. stroke, failsafe. Stroke, uh, deep impact. Or did they walk on the asteroid? They didn't, did they? They tried to. Yeah. Carter, I can see my house. Engaging hyperdrive now. Yes. It's a lovely line, isn't it? I can see my house from here. When Joe and Paul actually got this episode, they had a discussion with Brad Wright at the time, wanted to make sure this clip show was significant, because normally, as they admitted, this is just a pure money-saving episode. Mm -hmm. As it turned out, this episode is probably the best clip show they ever did. Bank to differ. Well, which do you think is the best, or haven't we covered it yet? We haven't covered it yet. Fair enough. You know which one I mean. Other system lords, but it's only a matter of time before he turns his attention back to Earth. The nations represented in this room make up the bulk of this planet's military capacity. Our chances for successful resistance would be greatly improved if we would just work together. <laughs> Why can't we all just be friends? <laughs> as well as a commitment from all of you to maintain absolute secrecy. I'm afraid that may be impossible. If we're facing invasion, then we must warn our people so that they can prepare. With all due respect, Mr. Ambassador, we feel that coming forward now would only result in widespread panic. Wait for it. There's something very wrong about the Chinese ambassador going on about openness. The government of China does not believe in keeping secrets from its people. <laughs> he said that with a straight face. <laughs> so you heard my reaction. <laughs> Although, truth be told, when it comes to internet censorship, America ain't far behind. Uh, lovely stock footage. We're talking about a full-scale attack from space. 
I'm afraid people are going to notice. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> as long as it's not during Coronation Street or The X Factor. <laughs> Otherwise, they won't notice the damn thing. Oh, yes. You've been lucky and you know it. We also have damn good people. We've given as good as we've got. On one occasion, we managed to wipe out an entire fleet of motherships. Isn't that a slight exaggeration? Two is not a fleet. That's right. Well, no, they did destroy a fleet, Anubis's fleet, and then when they blew the sun up in this episode, Exodus. Gauging force field. I'm <laughs> <laughs> wrong. No. Yeah, she had a right to be a little nervous. Yeah. I've never blown up a star before. Well, they say the first one's always the hardest. <laughs> that look yeah. is just like, are you kidding me? That's the look I get from Aaron a lot. <laughs> yeah, knowing you probably said the wrong thing, but she's not exactly angry about it. No, she's really angry as well. They fit little impellers to it. Yep. Yeah. A flying Stargate. Hey. I put much about a Earth one, Jim. You know, the lucky it didn't flip a little faster and clip the top of the door. <laughs> uh, who's flying this thing? They are. Big boom. They came so close again, getting Apophis. So damn close. Granted, he didn't last long after this, but still. Yes, indeed. He's still around now, though. Oh, no, sorry, you're nervous. I'm mixing my up by guilds. A significant achievement, General. But it sounds as though the circumstances will be difficult to duplicate. For all their advanced technology, the ghoul have a fatal flaw. Arrogance. <laughs> he looks at Ginzi. Arrogance. <laughs> Clearly, that's no longer the case. The point is, they're not invincible. Now, our technology may be inferior, but it is effective. I imagine the ambassador's probably seeing that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes with the, the Americans and it's on the surface. Ah, uh, the Sentinel. Target Sierra 1 has been acquired. This little way. Walter! It took me no end of time to figure out what episode this clip came from. Uh, the transcript tells me. Oh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That'd have helped, that would. <laughs> I'm racking my brain trying to I've figure I've really it been out. looking at it. You'd think they'd have noticed it for the second one. Yes. Sierra 1 has been destroyed. Very impressive. But nothing on Earth could go up against one of these motherships. Mr. Ambassador, our primary mission has been to obtain technology capable of defending this planet. And we've made significant progress towards that end. We've made progress. The jury's still out on significant. Kinsey again. During the six years that the Stargate has been in operation, we've acquired a working knowledge of certain alien technologies. We try to adapt those technologies to our uses. Towards that end, Two years ago, we developed a hybrid fighter intercept. I'm surprised he didn't come out and said, we discovered all this, and he made us give it all back. Yes. It was a combination of human technology and parts from two salvaged death gliders. Unfortunately, the prototype failed to live up to expectation. Well, I'm sure the Chinese aren't going to like this. <laughs> They're getting attack run now. Hmm. Seriously, no comment about death gliders. It's a tangent. Excuse me? The craft is no longer accepting input from the controls. The drive is at full power. Flight, I'm declaring an emergency. The ejection system has malfunctioned. We are no longer in control of the vehicle. I repeat, we have lost control and cannot eject. Open away. Yes, it was going so well. Mm -hmm. 
After the failure of the X301, we began to concentrate on creating an entirely man-made craft with similar abilities. The result was the X302. Good episode that was. Quite cheap episode too, relatively speaking. Redemption. Oh dear. Which looks remarkably like a stealth fighter with some extra bits bolted on. It does, yeah. Navigation. Check. Oxygen pressure, temperature control. I'll check. Inertial dampeners. Cool. And check. Engines. I'll check. Phasers. Sorry, sir. While they're going through these, a little background on Donis Davis. He talked about when he was a young man, he carved wooden Indians for a tobacco shop. The big, huge ones? What the hell? Branson, Missouri. He's an ex-army captain. He served in the 7th Infantry, based in Korea, during the Vietnam War. Mm. He's also has a PhD in dramatic theory and criticism. And he also paints and sculpts and was a stuntman. You know, they do say asking an actor's opinion of critics is like asking a dog's opinion of lampposts. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that interest in life. Mr. Ambassador, I understand how you feel. With all due respect, General, I don't think you do. Your government has been operating this Stargate for six years, supposedly for the benefit of all mankind. Yet now we find out that you've been taking advantage of the situation to create military hardware that radically alters the balance of power on this planet. The X-302 was designed to defend against the ghoul. We have no intention of using it against our neighbor. Wasn't that a line from Armageddon? Oh, the Chinese man's upset. Don't worry about it. In a couple of years, you'll be knocking them out by the thousand at a fraction of the price. Are there any other new technologies that we need to know about? Might as well tell them, General. They're going to find out sooner or later. Ever since we encountered a ghoul mothership, we have been working to find a viable countermeasure. Maybe he's showing his true colours now, you know, and the colour is red. This episode's blipping along quite happily, don't you think? Well, they're throwing everything at you pretty quickly. You're not actually dwelling on any one thing. No, I don't remember that, and that, and that, and that. Jack, that wasn't said much. Yes, we had two fighters, but we've also got this little... Yeah, this small little sort of aircraft carrier type thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hyperspace engines, you know, weapons that can level the moon, you know. The moon's pretty level. And it's got USAF on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Prometheus was designed to carry a complement of eight X-302 fighters and is one of several planned. I must contact my government immediately. Prometheus, which we covered not long back. Yes. Instead of, why aren't the ambassadors questioning why Dave is still in charge? Yes, and if you play ball, you could build one. Under your leadership. We have the experience. I'm sorry, General. But it may be impossible to achieve an agreement as long as the Stargate and any resultant technologies remain solely under the control of the United States military. <laughs> Look, we'll show you plans. You can build your own. We could move the gate to a neutral location and uh, create a permanent staff drawn from all five nations. I'm afraid we can't agree to that. Well, that choice may finally not be up to you. Once the rest of the world learns of the Stargate, they may well demand it. We support the United States. And what are you getting in exchange for this support? Gentlemen, please, perhaps I can offer a compromise. Please? Yes. Kinsey's happy now. It's maneuvering in the way he wants. Uh, yes. I, I sympathize with the ambassador's position. 
A device as powerful as the Stargate in the hands of a military organization? You're half right. <laughs> it's a recipe for abuse, despite everyone's best intentions. For our listeners' benefit, in case you're wondering why these particular nations are around the ambassadorial table, they are the five permanent members of the UN Security Council. I assume Mike figured that out. I never gave it any thought, to be honest with you. Well, I say you would have corrected me if I was wrong. <laughs> well, actually, in the commentary, they said they were the, the nuclear powers at the time. I go with my UN thing. Don't take it from me. <laughs> Give me a little credit, please. I had a bad day. Yes, yeah, the shoe drops. I'm completely serious, General. The NID is the only organization besides the Air Force that has the knowledge, experience, and skill to run the Stargate. They tried to kill you, Senator. Come now, Major. Those were rogue agents working for outside interests. <laughs> yeah, they were just little scamps. Yeah. <laughs> they only shot me a little. Misguided. Yeah. If they hadn't been misguided, they'd have hit me in the heart. Senator, could we speak in private? I find your reluctance to relinquish military control of the gate disturbing, General. I feel the lack of your faith in the force disturbing. Ah, uh, now, obviously, the ambassadors would like the idea that it's a civilian oversight, but why would they want American civilian oversight? Well, it's supposed to be an international one. Yeah, but he's actually promoting the NID as being the controlling interest, and that's not international. They're a bunch of thieves, to be honest with you. Yeah. They'll never convince me you just got fed up. I'll never buy that. You don't understand. Yes. <laughs> kidnapped his granddaughter. Chain reaction. We'll do a little bit more background. Ronnie Cox is actually a singer. Can you believe that? He actually does folk singing semi-professionally. Actually goes on tours and everything. Got albums. I was amazed. Last night she told him they were through. No, that's good. Now the coast is clear for me to make a move. Major Davis? No, Ronnie Cox. Which one's Ronnie Cox? Senator Kingsley. Oh, right. Names, remember? Names, me, names. No good. That's going to go down with the Donna Davis one, isn't it? Probably, yes. <laughs> when they were casting this episode, they couldn't find an actor to play the Chinese ambassador in Vancouver. So Francois Chow, he was cast out of LA. You would have thought they could find anything in Vancouver, but obviously not. Trees. Unfortunately, trees don't speak much. We need an Actors have been accused of being wooden before, but never that wooden. Acquiring alien technology should be our first priority. Tell that to the people of Madrona, sir. The NID stole a weather control device from that planet, causing a complete destabilization of their atmosphere. They would have died if SG-1 hadn't have tracked down the culprits and retrieved the device. Yes, NID bad. Uh, touchstone. Quick, shoot them while they've got the back turned. Yes. Shoot them with the zats, then you don't have to warn them. I'll just shoot them anyway, they're NID. There's out shot in the back. Keep those hands visible. Who the hell are you? No one's damn business. Step away from the crate. Does he have an idea of how much vibration the thing generates when it activates stuff, doesn't it? <laughs> I suppose you can pick it up on a seismometer, the kawoosh. On a gate like this, yes. They put the dampers on when it operates in the SGC. Mm. I mean, if you remember back to Solitudes, that's how they were able to track the gate. Yep. Oh, Jack, warning shots. No warning shots. Shoot him. He's interested in grabbing the thing. That's going to really hurt coming out the other side. <laughs> it will, won't it? There's a bit of momentum. 
He hit him. That wasn't so much of a warning shot. But he's spraying around randomly. Shouldn't he be doing precision single shoot? Yeah, I'm sure I said that. You would have thought so, yeah. Um, we're back for one line. <laughs> I missed the address. We miss you, Daniel. And that prop was sitting on Paul Mully's desk for a year and a half. We're back in the conference for a single line before we cut into shades of grey. At least we have this. Even after we managed to shut down their operation here on Earth, they continued to steal from an off-world base. But they stole from the wrong aliens. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> it always looks bigger when it's close to the ground. <laughs> well, yes. What are they doing? Taking back what's rightfully theirs, I guess. Listen up, all of you. You've got two choices here. As soon as they stop taking stuff, they're going to start taking people. Now, you can go with the Asgard, or you can follow me. It's your choice. I'll be holding the door open so you can't go anywhere else. Now, this one example should be enough to sway anybody in regards to how the SGC and the Stargate should be operated. There are friends and there are enemies out there, and the SGC have made friends and the NID have made enemies. Mm. NID operatives that appeared in Sentinel were not in that group. I see. They recast. Granted, the NID has employed some questionable methods in the past. Politicians speak questionable methods. I like the fact that General Ammon and Colonel Chekhov, they're cut from the same cloth. Mm. Neither of them like him one bit. You and Jack O'Neill are still in charge of the Stargate program. If you're questioning our record... I'm questioning your competence. Oh, dear. Here he comes, gets his briefcase out. Done that before, haven't you? Let's dish the dirt. That's just fine. Each of these reports details an incident in which the operation of the Stargate program has brought this planet to the brink of destruction. For example... Yes, they've been operating six years, hundreds of missions, and I've got three here that were really bad. (laughs) You opened a wormhole to a planet that was in the process of being destroyed by a black hole. Hang on a minute. How would they know there was a black hole there before they opened the gate? If you recall, the Diamond Protocols wouldn't let them open it, and Sam overrode them. Yeah, but you didn't know why. Kinsey's a politician. He's editing facts. Very selective truth. We did manage to shut down the gate by directing an explosive device through the wormhole, and I believe it was Jack O'Neill who risked his life to pull it off. Matter of time. Very brief clip. Considering SG-1 are not actually in this episode proper, they get an awful lot of mentions. It's almost as if their other SG teams don't exist. It's one of the benefits of time dilation. Mm -hmm. A ten-second countdown can last two or three minutes. (laughs) Indeed. Whereas in other shows, a ten-second countdown is running in real time, but still lasts three minutes. What else do we have here? Ah, yes. Isn't it true that while under your command, the Stargate facility has been completely overrun by alien life forms? Ah, only a few times. Yes. Not much to worry about. Message in a bottle. Yes, brace yourself, Jack. (laughs) Why is he still standing there? (laughs) I never understood that, you know? Okay, the thing's shot out of things. I would be out the door so fast you wouldn't see dust. (laughs) 
And menace. Yes. And we get to see Donis Davies carrying his gun. Yes. As General Hammond, a good Texan would do. Sir, we've set the self-destruct. You have less than five minutes to tell us to override. Do you copy? All those bullets really take some out of a concrete structure, wouldn't they? The plasterers must have been working like crazy to fill in all the holes. <laughs> and then we have footholds. Now, one of them is Dion Johnson, who we saw in last week's episode. <laughs> Don't ask me which one. No. Well, no, actually, I would. What, you think he's the commander? Probably. Close that iris! I can't, sir. It's overridden. Shutting down the gate. Yeah, I had a good idea there. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't the glass have shattered from that? The situation was successfully contained. The situation should never have arisen. Not if you had been doing your job. Nobody knew about foothold outside the SGC until last week. Well, Kenzie did. Then it wasn't a secret, was it? Even Jonas wasn't privy to the details, and he'd been going through all the records. Under your command, the Stargate program has lurched from one crisis to the next, never averting disaster by anything more than the skin of its teeth. We can't afford to let you roll the dice any longer. No matter who's in charge of the gate, the same thing is going to happen. Yes, well, the only way you can prevent it is not to use it. We'll see a little background to Kinsey. I wonder if he was actually in at the beginning of revealing it to the the British and the French. Mm-hmm. I made a few phone calls, sir. It turns out Senator Kinsey's moving from appropriations to intelligence oversight. Which would put him in a position of direct power over the NID. He's manipulated this whole situation to gain control of the Stargate. <laughs> Sneaky. Mm-hmm. I may have my own ace up my sleeve. Colonel Checo, the good capitalist. I understand your feelings, Mr. Ambassador, believe me. For two years now, we've been junior partners in the Stargate program, following the lead of the Americans. The Chinese government will not accept a secondary position so graciously. There are advantages. The program costs them over $7 billion a year to operate. They reap the benefits. The X-303. Research and development of the hyperdrive alone has cost them over $2 billion. And it still doesn't function properly. They will spend a lot more money and risk the lives of their people perfecting the design. Then we'll get the blueprints and build our own ship in a fraction of the time for half the cost. (laughs) Once again, I apologize, gentlemen. Seems a politician's work is never done. You could have the same deal. But that's Jimmy now. It all makes sense, though, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're willing to take a back seat, you can get hold of some fantastic technology with very little risk to your own personnel. I was just waiting to see the fork tail. Bend forward slightly, maybe because the tail doesn't fit comfortably down the back of the slacks. Look at that. You wouldn't have a water jug these days in any TV show. It'd be all bottled water. We use water jug. You're not a TV show, though, are you? No. Whoever is running the Stargate will be acting as representatives of this planet throughout the galaxy. They will be our ambassadors, meeting other races, Establishing ties with other worlds. It is true that in the six years we've been running the Stargate, we've made enemies. But we've also made friends. I believe we've acquitted ourselves with honor. On that score, I stand by the record. Yep, keep smiling, Kinsey. Mm -hmm. You'll get yours. 
and hers and everyone else's if we can get your hands on it. <laughs> it's a nice long speech by Hammond, isn't it? It's a good episode for Don. God rest him. Transgalactic travel hordes. You start to wonder why they have steps. You know, why not just have a nice padded carpeted ramp? Yeah. Although on one occasion I went down my stairs to fetch a towel from the conservatory while wearing just my underwear and slipped at the top of the stairs, which was carpeted, and slid and bounced my way down. And there's some interesting burns down my arms and legs for about three weeks. <laughs> so a carpet may not be a good idea for the acceleration. It'll stop you quite quickly, but it'll hurt. And this is, of course, Fifth Race, one of the better, if not best, episodes of the series. Multiple Asgard. You know so much about our brains. We have studied your race closely. What did you learn? That your species has great potential. Great potential. That's good. You get the Asgard music, which reoccurs throughout the series as well, whenever they turn up. Choral style. Yeah. With strings. Very little woodwind. Look at the Asgard then and now. They've come a long way. And the episode's almost over. You know what's that? Yeah. What are you at now? 37.54. I'm at 38.54. What the hell going on? You make an interesting case, General. However, I'm afraid I must take this matter back to my government and recommend full disclosure to our people. I must do the same. Though, I will admit Senator Kinsey's proposal is interesting. We should be thankful the French haven't already... Uh... Oh... <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, this is his ace card. <laughs> Thor! Buddy! Kinsey looks worried. <laughs> he hadn't planned on this. Yes. Hello? Hello. I am Thor, Supreme Commander of the Asgard Fleet. That's Michael Shanks doing the voice, of course. And this is where he gets his little check. The Asgard are in your debt. Your debt? SG-1, under the command of General Hammond has saved my people and yours on many occasions. Yes, many, many occasions, Thor. <laughs> Commander Thor, my name is... Senator Kinsey. <laughs> O'Neill suggested I send you to a distant planet for your actions here, but I am reasonably certain his statement was in jest. I'm sure it was, Commander. Supreme. Oh, that is fantastic. (laughs) Yours is bigger, but mine is more important. And that little scene was actually done on the day by William Geraghty. Wasn't planned. And while I continue, friendship with Earth is not contingent on that. It is preferred. Wasn't a threat. It was a suggestion. Yeah. You came all this way just to tell us that. And to install Asgard-designed shields and weapons on Prometheus. A small token of thanks for SG-1's recent efforts in securing our galaxy and yours from certain destruction. I see. And that is a major step. Yeah. What, shields and weapons? Providing that sort of technology. Always a pleasure, Thor. Please drop in any time. I've flown halfway across a galaxy for, what, a minute? Yeah, but given halfway across a galaxy, probably took a minute. Yes, we've seen how fast the Asgard ships move. Good to see the British cave first, followed closely by the French. <laughs> it's much appreciated, sir. The general looks pleased, the colonel looks pleased. 
Kenzie doesn't. No. <laughs> if you think about it, though, it was a no-brainer decision. At this point, they might as well play the game, learn everything they can, and then make the decision. For sure Chinese, he would say Stargate. Stargate. <laughs> Senator? Kenzie's plotting revenge. Oh, he's always plotting. I'll say this, General. But yeah, expected to leave pretty much in charge of the SGC. Well played. And that was Disclosure. Yes, it was. And that were fast. Although I don't know if it's an episode you'd enjoy. I mean, we kind of enjoyed watching it, but you've only just name-checking all the episodes and me sort of... I should have mentioned the transcript to Mike before we started. <laughs> I never thought about the transcript, to be honest with you, because why would they put the name of the episodes in? To indicate the clips. Yeah, in the commentary, they said probably half the episodes are, so I was making a quick note as they went along, but there were so many spaces, so I'm going, uh, uh, oh yeah, that's failsafe, I remember that one. And that was tangent, I remember that one. Got no clue what that one is. <laughs> Sorry. They kind of threw me because they had two clips from Sentinel. And I got them, you know, got the first one. I think, well, they're not going to use the same episode again, are they? Surely not. Oopsie. Yeah. Like you say, that was a fun episode. It was a clip show. It was designed to save money. It probably did save money. But I enjoyed it. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah. And it gets derisory one and a half stars. Gate World. How many? One and a half. Out of? Five, it's out of four. Right. Next week's episode isn't Forsaken. Exploring an off-world planet, SG-1 discovered a crashed ship and three human survivors who claim to be under constant attack by hostile aliens. While Carter helps repair the ship's computer, she learns survivors are hiding a secret, dot, dot, dot. And things may not be all they seem. <laughs> they so really are. It's actually P2X005. <laughs> Just in case anybody wanted to know. <laughs> On the next Stargate SG-1... There is something out there on him. Caught in the crossfire of an alien civil war... No! No! The crew falls victim to an enemy in disguise... Who the heck are they? They're savages. They've taken hostages. It's a trap. Cover me, Teal. They've taken lives. B, what do you got? I believe it is blood, O'Neill. Now, Colonel O'Neill must take control. All right, that's far enough. Please, don't shoot me. Richard D. Anderson stars. Whatever you have been told, it is a lie. I don't remember this episode at all. I do. Well, you've probably watched it again already. I haven't watched it again already, but I remember the main guest star in it. I see. Oh, what was he in? Dark Angel. Oh, uh, yes. I did get a surprise when I started watching SPN, and I thought, hang on a second, you were in Dark Angel. Watching what? Supernatural. Oh, SPN. I showed a mate of mine, Supernatural, uh, first episode. I'm thinking, Jesus, they look so young. <laughs> I'm in season five, <laughs> and they're kind of going, oh, they've aged. I was hunting does that to you. Just say the word. Open the iris. It's feedback time, and once again we are very grateful to all the listeners who have taken the time to simply like or plus one a post on the relevant portal, or actually post a comment. Gold star to Colin this week, who emailed a commenting on Metamorphosis. Greetings, Gatecast. Well, talk about a favour coming back to bite you. Let a delusional megalomaniac off the hook, and she'll turn up one day and turn your friend into slush puppies. The pursuit of the super soldier is a theme that pops up a few times in Stargate, but I have to admit, the Trekkie in me when I was watching this episode, thinks of the phage and the Vidians from Voyager, although, as you stated, they went for the Elephant Man. I did think the original intention of keeping the aliens in the shadows and just have them popping out would have been far more atmospheric and, to a point, scarier. But just like Frankenstein's monster, the creation came back to kill the creator. The old adage of biting the hand that feeds you, I guess, passed them by, although it is another example of proving that if you give people what they want, they will love you for it and follow you. Well, to a point, anyway. Then they'll snap your neck. 
I'm guessing Tilk would have just been killed. No point putting him in the machine. But it's a good episode. The actors all play it well, and it was well-written dialogue. Next week, a clip show. I hate clip shows. Oh well. Live long and podcast. Colin. Thanks a lot, Colin. As we've said before, Stargate is pretty good for drawing on its own history, and Nerdy was prime material for another episode, and the fitting conclusion to her arc in the franchise. The actual story and overall premise is not that original, but of course, the selective spin given by each show that uses that sort of plot makes it work. Quick greeting now to Eugenia and Jerry from the Women Talk Sci-Fi podcast, who sent us a nice email thanking us for helping to promote their show via the Corin Nemec interview episode. It was certainly our pleasure. Their content is fantastic and crosses the whole genre with news and interviews. If anyone listens to a sci-fi or fantasy-type podcast you think we would be interested in, then drop us a line or simply post it via your favourite portal. If they have an audio promo, even better, as I'm always on the lookout for a promo for shows I personally listen to. <coughs> this week on Stargate Birthdays. Tobias Mailer celebrates on the 2nd of April. He played Lieutenant Graham Simmons in five episodes of Stargate SG-1. Also on the 2nd, Bob Fraser played an airman in Hathor. And finally, the gorgeous Jamie Ray Newman played Lieutenant Cadman in Stargate Atlantis. On the 3rd, we have three birthdays. Lauren Stain, who played Major General Bauer in Chain Reaction. Robin Mosley, who was in Window of Opportunity and Morpheus. And finally, Alessandro Giuliani, best known for Gator in Battlestar Galactica, but he also guest-starred in three episodes of SG-1. Mitch Pileggi has a birthday on the 5th, and while I think X Files made his mark, he was on 22 episodes of Stargate Atlantis as Colonel Caldwell. Also on the 5th, hallowed is Greg Anderson, who played an Ori in five episodes. The wonderful Michael Rooker celebrates on the 6th, and he played Colonel Edwards on Enemy Mine. And finally on that day, Deborah Thacker, Charlene in Citizen Joe, has a birthday. That was the Stargate birthdays. Big thanks to Atlantis TVRU for compiling the list. This is our own news item, but we've launched a Season 6 poll this week, and as with previous seasons, the final result will be used in the wrap-up show, which will be recorded sometime in the near future. We have yet to find anyone who is daft at, uh, willing enough to join us over Skype for a couple of hours to record the show, so if anyone is interested, we should be able to find a time which can suit everybody. That aside, if you have a fans to giving us some feedback, then the wrap-up show is the one to do it for. A general favourite worst episode or character would be ideal, and easy and quick to do. That's the feedback and news for this week, then. Oh, you're right. We'll, we'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. The Gatecast website can be found at gatecast.facecast.com and has its own feedback and contact form. Links to episodes not on the current RSS feed can be found there as well. Our Facebook and Google Plus groups are listed under The Gatecast, and our Twitter feed goes by The Gatecast, which is one word. We are also listed on the Blueberry service as The Gatecast, one word, and Cast Roller as The Gatecast can also be found on iTunes and that's one portal where any comments and reviews would be most welcome. Finally our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com and even with today's social media network deluge, it's still the most basic and reliable method of contacting us. If you want to be a bit more adventurous than recording an audio file, mp3 preferable but it doesn't really matter, and email it to us. It's a great way to interact with us and the rest of the listeners. It also helps when we hear how to pronounce somebody's name. So feel free to send us feedback and any other type of comment about the Stargate franchise, or our own small part of this fandom. Links and pictures are all part of the love of SG-1, SGA and Universe. Retweets, shares and plus ones are always appreciated. One universe, one people, the journey never ends. Stargate forever. And that's pretty much it.
thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. We shall continue to turn us your record, and Mike will continue to turn us to do pretty much everything else. Pretty much so. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com. Thank you.